Uh, so we're just a few announcements. Um, the first Sunday of the month, we do like to just cover, again, just kind of some basic things relative to the church. Uh, again, if you're new here and just visiting today or just been here a couple times, welcome. We really are glad you're here. We have a website that we would love to uh, just direct you towards, as well as an app where you can get all sorts of information about both the church and what we believe and what's going on and that kind of stuff. Um, we have many different ways of offering, you know, whether it's here on Sunday when you're doing or offering online. That's uh, just an important part of our, our walk with Jesus is just being uh, generous givers and joyful givers. So there's ways uh, to do that as well. Um, just a couple of quick uh, praise reports. Just, you know, we have a leadership meeting at 8 a.m. before the service each Sunday, and we were just reflecting on the wonderful things that happened this week. Uh, so last Sunday, we had a couple of people get baptized, and that was just, I mean, one was planned and one was just impromptu, like right then and there, like, I want to get baptized too, you know? So praise the Lord for that, for people just stepping up and stepping out and saying, I want to be public and declare my faith in Jesus Christ, and that's a very cool thing. And last night, we had more than 20 ladies who uh, came here and had a wonderful evening of worship and prayer, and Shiloh and Gloria were helping lead that. Kathy and her team did a wonderful job kind of putting all this on, and we've already heard just a lot of great testimonies about what took place last night with a lot of the women from the church. So again, just a praise report. Um, and with that, we have just one more announcement. A home is a place where life happens, where you build relationship and you find um, love and security and guidance and where family grows. bringing teams down with Homes of Hope for over 20 years. Um, the first time that I came down and experienced this myself as a participant on a team, I really had no personal interest in missions and God just absolutely broke and captured my heart as it related to doing work like this. And um, I really do it for two reasons. One is because of the absolute radical transformative power that it has in the families of people that we build homes for um, and that's you know personal educational and their health and spiritually that they know that there is a God and that that God that our God in Jesus Christ loves them and the second is that I have just seen not just my own life but dozens and dozens of people's lives who have been absolutely just radically changed uh, spiritually because of this experience of coming down giving of themselves being exposed to uh, different culture and frankly poverty and that's just something that many people have just never interacted with and that has been radical and transformative spiritually and personally um, for just so many people.
really neat to see the, that I was able to help and to um, encourage the people. And I just uh, marvel at their courage to, uh, to live and to, to take care of their kids with what they can and utilize everything that they have. And so I have great respect for, for the people here. And um, I'm just so thrilled they're gonna get like this brand new house and you walk in there and it's like, wow, you know, being able to cook on a, on a stove and being able to have a refrigerator and especially the kids having their beds. I mean, fresh mattresses. It's a gift to them. It's God's gift to them. It's not really us necessarily giving this big gift. It's really God working through us to give this gift of how much he loves them. And so we're responding to how much God loves us. just a, a wonderful transformative experience to give that family the keys because their lives are so different from that moment forward. I'm watching these videos every time I see them just because of what it means. Um, like I said in the video, you know, there's two reasons that all of us do this. One is because of how God changes the lives and the hearts of that family, those families, the two families that in six weeks we're going to go build houses for. And the second one is because of those of you who have gone and those of you who are going this time, 25 of us, and those of you who will go on future trips. The impact in your life is, is immeasurable. I guarantee you. I know that as a fact. And so I, that's why we do what we do. So today, you know, we want to just keep helping you understand, you know, what we do down there visually and, and with testimony and stuff like that. It's important for you as the body because you are praying for us. You are giving money. You're helping to buy all the materials that build those houses that you just saw there. Um, and that's why we're having a taco bar after church today. And this is a major, you know, kind of element of fundraising. You know, it's a big, uh, it's a big curve that we need to meet here. And I know for 20 years now, the Lord has been faithful every single trip, every trip. Never have we had any kind of gap, and I know that's going to happen uh, this time. Um, so just to let you know, we have a goal of $28,000 to build the two houses in June. So far, we've raised just under 12000 So we're making really good progress. And today, hopefully, just you know, through everybody's love and generosity, we'll make a, some big move in that direction too. And Betty is going to come up and just talk real briefly about an opportunity we all also have.
And our part now, too, is to fill the trunk out there in the commons under the TV. We need to fill it to overflowing. These kids love toys. They don't get toys. And we need balls, just kind of balls, you know, not real big ones. So I can t <laughs> we need balls about this size. <laughs> Boys and girls both love the balls. And we've got bears. The girls love those. And the dolls, these. And we need lots and lots of uh, school supplies, pens, pencils, anything they can use, paper, anything they can use for uh, school. So let's just fill that trunk, not full, but overflowing. <laughs> Because that will get, I'm, I'm just so excited to watch it grow. Thank you so much. How many of you sometimes just need to sit and worship? All right. You can almost call it good right now. But we're not. <laughs> oh, man, that was awesome. Thank you, Mark. Uh, and the team, all of you who came early to set up, it looks phenomenal out there. And all of you who have already given to Homes of Hope, uh, thank you. Thank you. We are privileged to be a part of God's kingdom work and in a very real and tangible way to change lives. So we invite you again to come on out afterwards, even if you didn't RSVP, come on out and enjoy some food and wonderful fellowship. Uh, we're going to continue through the gospel of Mark and uh, we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, the next uh, event in Jesus' life and ministry. And, and as I was thinking about this event, it made me think about uh, all the years that I brought a junior high and high school students to Hume Lake, summer camp. We would take two busloads up. And uh, it was really an incredible week, incredible week. Uh, not just a fun, but to see God move in the lives of the students. And oftentimes there would be several students who made commitments to the Lord, students who made uh, recommitments, and just an incredible, incredible week. And then uh, it would come time for us to come home. Uh, usually on a Saturday. And so after the busyness of the week, we would gather our, our, our belongings and we would wait for the buses. And I would usually try to prep the kids for the trip down the mountain. And uh, we would celebrate. We would talk about all that God did. And then I would say this. I said, okay, now I got to prep you a little bit. Because you've had an incredible mountaintop experience. In this case, literal, because Hume Lake is the top of a mountain. But a mountaintop experience, God met many of you here. God has done incredible things. Many of you are on what we call a spiritual high right now. This has been great, a week away from home and all the stuff of life, and you got away, and God, God spoke to you, you're reading the Bible, you're getting up early, you're praying, you, you're worshiping, some of you, you're learning new songs, and you're just freely worshiping with a thousand other high schoolers. It's been a great week. It's what we call a mountaintop. But now we're about to load the buses, and we're going down the mountain. And here's the thing that I would try to prep them for, is that when they get home, home hasn't changed. Their parents are still going to probably be the same. Their siblings are probably still going to be the same. The circumstances that they left a week ago are probably still going to be the same. And I was trying to prep them to come from the mountaintop back to the wilderness. Because if you're not prepped for that, it can really throw you for a loop. And we're going to look at that in our life today through, through Jesus' example. 
how do you handle coming from the mountaintop to the wilderness? Because, you know, that can happen in an instant. It can happen in an instant. Things could be going really well, and you're just chugging along, maybe on a spiritual high, and all it takes is a text, a phone call, an email, and suddenly you don't come slowly down the mountain like us. It was a five-hour drive, so they had five hours to kind of process it. You know, it can be an instant it was instant. Nadine and I had an opportunity to get away about a year ago, and so for the first time, we got to go to you know Hawaii by ourselves, and we're like probably halfway through. And uh, you know, she uh, gets a voicemail um, from her doctor's office and says, "Hey, you know, um, you know how they try to be really nice, right? So they say, hey, you know, something came back on your tests. Can can you give us a call? The classic, can you give us a call?'" moment, right? And, and it turns out, you know, there was something that needed follow-up when we got back. But in an instant, in an instant, you go from vacation and relaxing, and this is really cool, and, you know, this is all, to down into the wilderness, back into reality, right? And, and it takes a little bit, because it's jarring. Not only is it jarring, wondering what the issue is, but it's jarring because you were in a different headspace. You were in a different frame of mind. And we're going to look at that, because if we're going to be looking at, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at temptation and Jesus being tempted. Our frame of mind, our, our heart condition, radically impacts how we're going to face testings and temptations in our life, right? And so in Mark 1 verses 12 and 13. Remember, the context is that Jesus was just baptized, and we looked at that the last two weeks. That you know, it was, a, it was an incredible uh, moment in Jesus' life with John the Baptist, and we saw that Jesus, why was he baptized? To identify with us and to kind of inaugurate, kick off his ministry, right? The two I words. So, right after that, on the heels of his incredible celebratory baptism, miraculous, supernatural. Descent of the Holy Spirit, God supernaturally speaks, right? This, whoo, talk about a mountaintop experience, right? For him and for everyone. This happens in Mark 1, verse 12 to 13. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. That word immediately, we said at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, it happens about 40 times because the Gospel of Mark is an action book. Immediately, 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 right? And so Jesus has this mountaintop experience, figurative, right? Boom, right? Miraculous, supernatural. And immediately, he's compelled by the Spirit, right? Not against his will. He's compelled by the Spirit out into the wilderness, out into the wilderness, okay? And if you're not familiar with what the wilderness looks like in Israel, because, you know, I really didn't know until I studied it, here's a picture of the wilderness, right? That's the wilderness in Israel. That's, when they say wilderness, that's what they're referring to, desert, arid land, wild animals, inhospitable, right? Not a place you'd want to be for 40 days not eating by yourself, Okay, so, so just think about this. Mountaintop experience, gets baptized, supernatural vision, supernatural reality, the Holy Spirit comes down, this is my son, in him I am well pleased. Boom, God speaks, woo, everyone's cheering, right? Go Jesus, go Jesus, right? Immediately, he ends up there. Talk about from the mountaintop to the wilderness, 
right? And that's what we want to focus on today because some of you might be on a mountaintop right now, and that's good. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. You should enjoy that. You should celebrate that. Nothing wrong with mountaintop. But how many of you are very familiar with the wilderness of life? Right? In fact, Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. He might as well say, in this world, you will go through the wilderness. Right? And we're going to look at that because it's really, really important. So even as believers, we have mountaintop experiences. You might go to a retreat. You might get saved. You might, you know, come to discover church and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And it's a mountaintop experience. You're, you're floating on cloud nine. This is awesome. I never knew the Bible like this. I never knew songs like this. I got a whole bunch of new friends. This is, this is great. How many of you have had a mountaintop experience at some point in your life, right? Maybe you're in it, right? It's like, woo, go Jesus, right? Right? And how many of you in that mountaintop never want it to end? Right? Right? You're just there. You're like, woo! Yes! This is awesome! Right? I can't, how many of you, I can't wait for church again. Any, anyone? Yeah, a year later, like, oh, is it time to go already? You know? But in that mountaintop experience, right? You, gotta, you get here on time. You're early. You want to serve. When's the next Bible study? When's the next, right? And you're just going and God's moving. He's transforming you. And you're on the mountaintop, right? Nothing wrong with that. Great. Celebrate when those seasons come, right? But we also know as believers, there are wilderness experiences. When you just feel like you're dry and arid spiritually. When you're you don't feel like praying. The church service just doesn't zing you like it used to. Right? You don't want to be around other believers because now they annoy you. Right? And someone's in your chair at Sunday. Suddenly, right, you, you slide into the wilderness. Your attitude changes. Your demeanor changes. Your emotions change. Right? And you're just in a dry and desolate, uneven and isolated place. Right, and it just—it's just not that wow anymore. That's what we call the wilderness. In fact, Matthew four two says that Jesus fasted for forty days. He didn't eat for forty days. He became very hungry in that place, right? So that he was in a literal and figurative wilderness experience. And and I think about other examples in the Bible where people went from the mountaintop to the wilderness. Remember the Israelites in bondage and slavery to Egypt for hundreds of years, right? Along comes Moses and all the things with Pharaoh, right? And miraculous deliverance, right? Even the crossing of the Red Sea, miraculous, woohoo! Mountaintop experience, power of God, right? They cross the Red Sea, they get out into the literal wilderness, and what do they start to do? I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, why'd you bring us here? It was better in Egypt, Right? The mountaintop, somehow they forget all the supernatural things that happened to free them, free them from slavery and bondage. They deal with, they kind of cross the Red Sea, they're in the reality of life. Hunger, I got to eat, I'm thirsty, I'm uncomfortable. And in the reality of life, the wilderness of life, well, they moan, groan, complain, whine. Even to the point of saying, it was better back. I want to go back, right? Mountaintop to wilderness. Gut check, heart check, right? I think about Elijah in 1 Kings 18 and 19. You know in the story, Elijah, he, he supernaturally defeats the prophets of Baal, 
I don't know if you remember the story, right? 450 of them, right? He challenges them. He calls them out. Hey, let's meet. You call on your God. I'll call on mine, and we'll see well, who wins, right? And so the 450 come. They start chanting. Elijah kind of mocks them. He's like, is that all you got? Right? And God moves miraculously, and then supernaturally, he moves. They, he wins. 450 of the prophets, you know, they get killed, right? And then literally, okay, that's the end of 1 Kings 18. The first two verses of 1 Kings 19, Jezebel hears about this, and she says, hey, Elijah, I'm going to kill you for killing my prophets. And what does Elijah do? Now, remember, Elijah has just seen God move supernaturally. He has just defeated 450 prophets, false prophets, right? Jezebel threatens to kill him, and what does he do? Ah! (laughs) Peace out. He gets so terrified. And he runs away. He literally runs away. He leaves the servant. He just bails. So he goes from this mountaintop experience, literal mountaintop experience. One person threatens him, and he hits the wilderness and starts running. Right? Again, it can happen that quick. Oh, God answered prayer, and God came through, and God is so good. God is good. Careful. And all the time, God is good on the mountaintop and the wilderness. And the wilderness, yeah, and the wilderness. Right? Because if we're honest, none of us likes pain. None of us likes the wilderness. And yet sometimes either we pick up or it's portrayed in a certain way that if you come to Jesus, it's always a mountaintop. Come to Jesus and your life is going to be a mountaintop. And that sells. That fills churches. Right? Instead of the well, we'll call this the mountaintop. And we'll come in here and we'll promise health, wealth, and mountaintop experiences. And we'll feel really good. We'll play the right music. We'll do the lighting just right. We'll play the right videos. And you'll always leave here feeling really mountaintoppy. It's a new adjective, mountaintoppy. Right? The problem with that is you got to go to the wilderness, which begins right outside that door. Right outside that door. The wilderness. Like, you know, one time we raised that up and we, you know, we showed you. You can kind of look through there. Look out the, go ahead, look, look what you can. Look at the car. That's the wilderness. It's a fallen and broken world. It's painful. It's evil. It's wicked. There's, there's some horrific things happening on this planet as we speak. That's the wilderness. Every Sunday when you come here, it is a bit of a mountaintop. Amen? Right? This is, and it's, that's what we want it to be. Right? It's like in, in football. They run a play, and then they come back, and they huddle. Right? Sunday is kind of like the huddle. Right? We get together. We worship. We fellowship. We're in the word. We enjoy this. And then at the end, we go, ready, break. And what do we do? We go run the play. And sometimes it's successful, and sometimes we get clobbered out there on the field. Right? Sometimes we score a touchdown, sometimes we fumble. But praise God, we get to come back and huddle every week, amen? That's the value of this. We huddle up. We, 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 amen, okay, right? We huddle. So we saw in, in Jesus' baptism that he identifies with us, right? He, one of the reasons he was baptized was to identify us himself with us as humans, right? I love the fact, Hebrews 4.15 says this, 
This high priest, referring to Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So here's the great thing. And Mark 1.12 shows us the mountaintop to the wilderness. I love the fact that Jesus gets that in my life and in your life. He understands. He understands when life was going really good and you were on a spiritual high and you got the call, you did something, you said something, you made a choice, and suddenly it goes boop, and you're in the wilderness, and it feels like you're just treading water, and you're isolated, and it's desolate. I love the fact that Jesus understands. Amen? You know, I love the fact that, right? Because sometimes we we get in the wilderness, and if we're not careful, we start to self-condemn ourselves for being in the wilderness. Oh, come on. This is not a real, real Christian wouldn't act like this. A real Christian wouldn't be sad. A real Christian wouldn't be angry. A real Christian, right? And, and suddenly we're in the wilderness, experiencing the wilderness, and then we add to the burden of it because we condemn ourselves for being human in the wilderness. That's what I love about Jesus identifying, right? You're in the wilderness, and Jesus is like, hey, yo, I've been there too. How many of you love the fact that Jesus has been in the wilderness? He gets it, yet without sin, right? And so we're going to look at this a little bit more, and I just want to kind of prep you. In the weeks ahead, next week, we're going to look at Jesus' actual temptations, and we're going to spend time the next few weeks looking at temptation and testing biblically and how to experience victory in that, right? And what's really interesting is that in the Greek, in the original language, the same word is used for temptation and testing. Okay? So some of us, when, I hear, when, I, when you hear the word temptation, suddenly you might think of like being seduced or it's a moral issue. Actually, the Greek word is a neutral word. And you have to look at the context for if it's a testing or a temptation. And in fact, in our life, a situation can come up that God allows as a testing. And if I respond correctly, I glorify God. I mature in my faith. I grow, right? James, right? I count it all joy and I've grown. The exact same situation, the devil can come and tempt me to sin. React in the flesh. Exact same situation, two different viewpoints. And we're going to look at this, okay? And, you know, if you're wondering, well, what was the purpose of Jesus even, you know, going to the wilderness? I love this because uh, Corson says this, I lead us back to the beginning. He says this. In driving Jesus to the wilderness, the father was saying, watch my son. No matter what Satan throws at him, he will come through beautifully. And the same thing is true of you and me. You see, only what the father allows can come into our lives. Therefore, when temptations, trials, difficulties, wilderness experiences, hard times come our way, it is because the father has allowed them in order to silence Satan's accusation that you only serve God in easy times and to show you off to a doubting world. You see, we're going to see that the things that tested testings, because the Bible says in James that God doesn't tempt, okay? He allows testings, okay? Ultimately, it's for our good. Ultimately, it glorifies him if we respond biblically. But we're going to see we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. And the choice that we make when we are presented in a situation where we're being tested has a lot to do with where you're at on the mountaintop in the wilderness. 
right? And if you're prepared, 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God allowed you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. So I want to just kind of look at two things today. To kind of begin to prep our heart, to get you to think about testings and temptation and the condition of your heart. Even as you head into the wilderness later today or when we're finished here. Right? And, and the first question is, how do you, how do you react to sudden circumstantial change in your life. What's your initial reaction when things were going so well and things were going so good, right? How do you normally react? Just be on, you know, just kind of think about that, right? If you're like me, I tend to just where, you know, I tend to go into, I react emotionally and I just go into problem solving mode and depending on my state, it's like, how could this happen? Why did God allow, what, anyone a little bit more on the, right, right, you're just kind of there, right, you know, I'll be honest with you, when, when things take a sudden turn in my life, usually I don't go, praise God for this, <laughs> now you might, God bless you, you saint, you know, for me, I'm more like, what is going on? Usually it takes me, I'll eventually go this way, but usually I, I turn inward and I look at circumstance and I, you know, and I, you know, there's a phrase in certain industries where it says you go, they call it going on tilt. You guys, some of you might be familiar with that. Something happens in life, you don't get the outcome you wanted, expected, hoped for, planned for, you know, um, kind of took for granted what's going to happen. It doesn't work out your way and you react very powerfully, emotionally, and in that reaction, you, your brain goes, Duke, and you start making decisions, you start saying things like the old you, right? You went on tilt. You just went on tilt. How many have ever gone on tilt, and then the tilt ends, and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> Did anyone else see that? And you're looking around, <laughs> like, you're like, oh my gosh, Right? You're a parent, you know, sometimes, right? You go on tilt and your kids are like, oh, dad tilted right now. He just went on tilt, right? You just got to, you know, ask yourself, because part of this in preparation for dealing with testing and temptation, you have to be honest. Just got to be honest. When it doesn't go your way, when life throws you a curveball, do you tilt? Is that you're kind of like your deal, Right? Because the enemy kind of knows that when we're on the mountaintop, it's a vulnerable place, actually. Despite all the spiritual highs and all the good feels and all the woo-hoo moments, you're actually in a pretty kind of vulnerable place if you're not careful. And it's like, what do you mean? Well, look, look, at what, look at what Job. We can learn a lot from what happened with Job. Look at Job 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uts. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. 
He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that area. This dude's on a mountaintop. Financially, business-wise, he's doing it right. He's right now enjoying a mountaintop life experience, right? Even spiritually. I mean, the Bible calls him like godly dude. So complete mountaintop experience, holistic mountaintop experience, right? Check out this conversation between God and Satan about Job. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. You catch it? Satan's like, oh, great, yeah. He's a great guy because you, you, you put him on the mountaintop. I bet you, you take him off the mountaintop. Put him in the wilderness. Let's see how raw, raw for Jesus he is then. That's why when you're on the mountaintop and things are going really good, you got to be real careful. A couple things you got to be real careful about is that your faith doesn't become circumstance-based. Okay, does God bless us? Yes. Does God desire our best? Okay, that's the goodness. You focus on the character of God, his goodness. And in the goodness and in the blessings, do not slide into circumstance Christianity. You're setting yourself up for a wilderness fall, right? Again, we can start to, if we're not careful, equate the goodness of God and God's blessings with our circumstance. So if our circumstances are good, God is good. If our circumstances go to the wilderness, God, right? But God is good. And all the time, see the element of faith there? See the element of maturity and growth? If you stay in the goodness of God, you focus on the goodness of God, you celebrate the goodness of God wherever you are on the mountaintop wilderness spectrum. That's your growth, that's your growth opportunity. That's your choice opportunity, right? And God knew this about us. Look what he says in Deuteronomy 8. He's about to send the Israelites who have been wandering into the promised land. Look what he says about us and think about your life in 2023 and what it means if God were to financially prosper you and bless you. Look what he says. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Now, verse 11, you can circle it, underline it, highlight it. But that is the time to be careful. 
Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Mountaintop can be setting you up if you become complacent and comfortable and circumstance-driven. Even as a believer, you got to be real careful because the enemy even knows. The enemy even knows. So we buy into this American dream, nothing wrong with the American dream, nothing wrong with being a good steward, nothing wrong with owning things. Okay, as long as it doesn't slide into greed and covetousness and color your heart and harden your heart to the things of God, right? And so, you know, we're going to pick up in a, next week and we're going to continue this because I know we have to... Um, continue with the, the fundraiser and everything, but I just want to challenge us this morning. Maybe you're in the mountaintop, and here's the truth. You saw what true poverty is. If you're in the United States, we're all on the mountaintop. Think about how full your fridge is and your clothes and things, you, the cars in the parking lot. I'm, not, I'm just saying we are blessed. We are in the land of plenty and abundance. And quite frankly, that is one of the challenges of the American church. In our spiritual apathy and spiritual complacency is that we live in the land of abundance. And the enemy knows. It's real convenient not to come here because you can watch it later and you can, you know, there's a lot of ways, right? A lot of conveniences. You strip away the conveniences, you go to a third world country, they're walking miles to go to church. And they're not on the clock, they're there for hours because they want to be. Right? Because they don't have the abundance that we have. And so I just want to challenge you not to let the blessings of God become a curse. Not to let a mountaintop experience turn you upside down when the wilderness of life happens. And so this morning, just... Stay there, ask yourself, Lord, in the mountaintop of my blessings and the abundance that you have given me, as described in Deuteronomy 8, have I forgotten you? Am I complacent? Am I apathetic? Am I now circumstance-driven and sort of expect you to come through all the time and when you don't come through in the way I want you to or in the way, you know, I, as soon as I would like you to, do I just suddenly go on tilt? Right? Have I, rather than praising you, have I just become a demanding child who wants dad to do it my way and feed me and all according to me? It's easy to flip it, isn't it? Even in the church. Because we go, we work really hard to make this place comfortable and nice and place you want to be at. We, work, we do. We understand that. But we never want the blessings of God to become a curse, meaning it impacts our heart, meaning it creates ultimately spiritual apathy, spiritual complacency, where we actually forget the Lord and we're more, we celebrate the well more than Jesus. If that ever happens, we close the doors. If the well ever becomes an idol, we got to close the doors because we're doing something wrong. You understand? If we ele ever elevate, if you ever elevate a personality above Jesus here, I'm out. 
That's for, it's not for any one person behind this pulpit. It's for Jesus. We are here simply to point you to Jesus. We are a tool. The church, this, this whole building, all of these resources, it's just a tool. Just a tool. But we can flip that. And we can let our circumstances, and we can let our comfort, and we can let our convenience come in. And then we're living Deuteronomy 8. We're like, oh, wait, but he warned us about this, didn't he? Right? And it is directly impacted, has a direct correlation to how we're going to deal with the trials and testings and temptations in the wilderness. Okay? So we're going to stop there, and we just want you to, I just want to encourage you. Okay? We're going we're gonna to take a week or two weeks. We're not in a hurry because temptation. Let's just do a little honest survey. How many of us deal with temptation? Now, some of you who didn't raise your hand, you're tempted to lie because you didn't raise your hand, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It's crazy, huh? It's crazy, right? We deal with it. It's never ending. But praise God that through Christ we had the victory. Praise God that through Christ, he went from this mountaintop experience being baptized into the wilderness and his example in the wilderness, he actually conquered Satan's temptations. And we can do the same thing. But we have to be real, we have to be honest. We gotta be willing to look at what's going on here. We gotta look at when we drift, when we slide, when we lose our focus, when we turn to circumstances instead of Christ, when we turn to comfort instead of Christ, when we turn to convenience instead of Christ. That's when we're fair game. That's when we're on real thin ice when it comes to testings and temptations. Okay? Let's pray, and then Randy will come on up for communion. Uh, So just a few announcements. Um, The first Sunday of the month, we do like to just cover, again, just kind of some basic things relative to the church. Uh, Again, if you're new here and just visiting today or just been here a couple times, welcome. We really are glad you're here. We have a website that we would love to uh, just direct you towards as well as an app where you can get all sorts of information about both the church and what we believe and what's going on and that kind of stuff. Um, We have many different ways of offering, you know, whether it's here on Sunday when you're doing or offering online. uh, It's just an important part of our our walk with Jesus is just being uh, generous givers and joyful givers. So there's ways uh, to do that as well. Um, just a couple of quick uh, praise reports. Just you know, we have a leadership meeting at 8 a.m. before the service each Sunday, and we were just reflecting on the wonderful things that happened this week. Uh, so last Sunday, we had a couple of people get baptized, and that was just—I mean, one was planned and one was just impromptu, like right then and there. Like, I want to get baptized too, you know. So, praise the Lord for that. For people just stepping up and stepping out and saying, "I want to be public and declare my faith." In Jesus Christ, and that's a very cool thing. And last night we had more than 20 ladies who uh, came here and had a wonderful evening of worship and prayer. And Shiloh and Gloria were helping lead that. Kathy and her team did a wonderful job kind of putting all this on. And we've already heard just a lot of great testimonies about what took place last night with a lot of the women from the church. So, again, just a praise report. Um, and with that, we have just one more announcement. A home is a place where life happens, where you build relationship and you find um, love and security and guidance and where family grows.
I've been bringing teams down with Homes of Hope for over 20 years. Um, the first time that I came down and experienced this myself as a participant on a team, I really had no personal interest in missions and God just absolutely broke and captured my heart as it related to doing work like this. And um, I really do it for two reasons. One is because of the absolute radical transformative power that it has in the families of people that we build homes for. Um, and that's, you know, personal, educational, and their health and spiritually, that they know that there is a God and that that God, that our God in Jesus Christ loves them. And the second is that I have just seen not just my own life, but dozens and dozens of people's lives who have been absolutely just radically changed uh, spiritually because of this experience of coming down, giving of themselves, being exposed to uh, different culture and frankly poverty. And that's just something that many people have just never interacted with. And that has been radical and transformative spiritually and personally um, for just so many people. I was able to help and to um, encourage the people and I just uh, marvel at their courage to uh, to live and to to take care of their kids with what they can and utilize everything that they have and so I have great respect for for the people here and um, I'm just so thrilled they're gonna get like this brand new house and you walk in there and it's like wow you know being able to cook on a on a stove and being able to have a refrigerator and especially the kids having their beds. I mean fresh mattresses. It's a gift to them. It's God's gift to them. It's not really us necessarily given this big gift. It's really God working through us to give this gift of how much he loves them. And so we're responding to how much God loves us. just a, a wonderful transformative experience to give that family the keys because their lives are so different from that moment forward.
I have a hard time watching these videos every time I see them, just because of what it means. Um, like I said in the video, you know, there's two reasons that all of us do this. One is because of how God changes the lives and the hearts of that family, those families, the two families that in six weeks we're going to go build houses for. And the second one is because of those of you who have gone and those of you who are going this time, 25 of us, and those of you who will go on future trips, the impact in your life is, is immeasurable. I guarantee you. I know that as a fact. And so I, that's why we do what we do. So today, you know, we want to just keep helping you understand, you know, what we do down there visually and, and with testimony and stuff like that. It's important for you as the body because you are praying for us. You are giving money. You're helping to buy all the materials that build those houses that you just saw there. Um, and that's why we're having a taco bar after church today. And this is a major, you know, kind of element of fundraising. You know, it's a big, uh, it's a big curve that we need to meet here. And I know for 20 years now, the Lord has been faithful every single trip, every trip. Never have we had any kind of gap, and I know that's going to happen uh, this time. Um, so just to let you know, we have a goal of $28,000 to build the two houses in June. So far, we've raised just under 12000 So we're making really good progress. And today, hopefully, just you know, through everybody's love and generosity, we'll make a, some big move in that direction too. And Betty is going to come up and just talk real briefly about an opportunity we all also have. And our part now, too, is to fill the trunk out there in the commons under the TV. We need to fill it to overflowing. These kids love toys. They don't get toys. And we need balls, just kind of balls, you know, not real big ones. I'm going to hold that for you so you can talk. So, so I can. You can display. <laughs> we need balls about this size. <laughs> Boys and girls both love the balls. And we've got bears. The girls love those. And the dolls, these. And we need lots and lots of uh, school supplies, pens, pencils, anything they can use, paper, anything they can use for um, school. So let's just fill that trunk, not full, but overflowing. <laughs> because that will get, I'm, I'm just so excited to watch it grow. Thank you so much. Amen. 